Hello and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Scully, and in this podcast, we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode, we looked at Manchester City's new and exciting prospect, Maximo Peroni, analysing his potential role under Pep Guardiola at the Etihad Stadium. In this one, we will discuss another one of South America's hottest prospects, a winger who is currently on loan at Boston River in his hometown of Montevideo from La Liga club UD Almeria. And that player is Christian Oliveira. Oliveira is an excellent forward with lots and lots of potential. Oliveira is an excellent forward with lots and lots of potential, who we may see ripping it up in Spain's top flight very soon. And so we've decided to take a look at the 20-year-old style of play, his strengths, weaknesses, and how far we believe he can go at the highest level. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated, and it helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So without further ado, let's get into the episode by first reintroducing my podcast co-host, the ever-wonderful TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marquez, who has watched Oliveira very closely at Boston River. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been? Hello, Adam. I'm really good. I'm really happy to be here again. Last time, talking about tactical theory, because it was a really nice and interesting uh, discussion to be on it. But now we're back on the TFA Scouted, this kind of... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of personal right now for me because it's every week I sit mm-hmm. here in my room, talk about players with you, so it, it's becoming a part of me. <laughs> yeah, well, this the player we're going to discuss today, Christian Oliveira, was a player that you came to me and said, I think we should do a podcast on this. I, yeah. not going to lie, I had never watched Oliveira before, but I trust your judgment. You work on the TFA recruitment uh, side, so I trusted your judgment that he is a good player and one to watch for the future. So I watched him and he is a very good player. He's very raw, as we'll discuss yep. in this podcast. There's a lot to improve on. There's, And I'll make this disclaimer now. I looked at his stats before the podcast. They are not great, but I feel like he's, because he's so raw, he's the type of player that I think stats will not tell you the full story. So if you look at his stats, he looks pretty horrendous, but there's a lot more to him when you actually watch footage of him. And that's why... At that age, I feel like the eye test with data is or data, sorry, is quite important. Or maybe the eye test before data. That's another. That's a discussion for another day, though. We will talk about Oliveira's style of play first of all. Brian, you've watched him very closely, so I'll let you lead on this. Talk to me about his. What is the style of play? What does he like to do? His position? What foot is he? Yeah, so Oliveira is right-footed. He loves to play wide. Mm-hmm. And he can play on both wings. And even uh, Daniel Farias, who's Venezuelan as well, uh, he's coaching uh, Boston River. So normally between, uh, I don't know, the first half, like in the 25 minutes, he's always changing wingers. So he can play in the left initially and then to the right because he has a really, really explosive, um, as you said, raw dribbling. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we call call him call it like that because he is very um fast he has like a big body he's not a tall player he's a short player with a low center of gravity but he's very uh i will say strong with his uh, lower body he can 
like body players on the run. But I really, what I really like about him and really impressed me was his change of pace when he was uh, challenging a player on 1v1. So he's kind of, he's a style of play, he's a, uh, being out wide, looking when he's playing on the left, obviously he's looking to uh, cut inside to make a shot, but he's not constantly making that. So oftenly he makes himself a little bit unpredictable with this kind of cuts inside and outside. So I really like that because when you are looking at a player that he's going to cut inside and then outside to take a shot with his left and his right footed. You could tell he is going to be a little bit of, uh, I don't know, like a horror movie for the fullback because mm -hmm. he has some moves that you, before the game as a fullback, you clearly have to see him and like study his dribbling technique that is quite interesting to, to talk about deeply. He's also played, or he, I suppose he also can play in every position, really, across the yeah. front line. And he has done this season as well for Boston River. He can play technically as a centre-forward, which he has done. He can yeah. play on the right. He can play as an inverted winger as well, which he has done. He can play as a wider winger as well, which he does mainly. What do you think is his best position then? Would you say I really it's think the, the wide kind as, of winger? Uh, as a wide left winger, it's mm -hmm. the kind of position I really like him the most. I don't know if you think the same. Yeah, but no, I agree. Yeah, and as a center forward, I really like him. I think it was in a Uruguayan league game. He was playing as a center forward in this obviously false nine role because he was moving everywhere in the mm -hmm. pitch. And not even as a false nine. I, I, I don't really think he was only dropping... Uh, in his channel and all that to like link up and then run uh, or drag like uh, opponents. Yeah. He's the idea of playing him as a center forward was like, he has a big freedom to go and play wide from one wing, then to another, then running into space because this is a thing. He's a uh, like player. Like he wants the ball to be played to his foot so he can dribble. But sometimes he can be activated as well to space because he's really fast and he detects not that well like which space to go, but I really think he has this kind of good idea that can develop. So mm. in which like interval to attack between fullbacks or centre-backs or centre-backs when a striker is leaving him this space so i really like him playing out wide as a left winger but to have this versatility and um i don't know this intelligence to play as well as a center forward or as a right winger is really good to have in your squad well that's something i did want to touch on and you mentioned it there was his ability to make runs in behind i think yes you're right he does like to have the ball to his feet and he can receive his back turn to the, def the defender and he could try to hold them off or link the play. But one thing he does really well is he gives the team, whether it be Boston River or I know he's on loan for Almeria, so maybe Almeria in the future, he gives them the option to go in behind. Yeah. And what he does is he, he there's kind of, there's several ways to make a run. I think, I mean, Jack Harrison said before 
that when he walked at Marcelo Bielsa, he Marcelo taught him something like seventeen different ways to dismark his his fullback, which is crazy. Like this, you, you you would think there's maybe only one or two. Um, I suppose maybe the two main ways is a lot of players when they're running in behind will go in between the channel of the fullback and the centre half or centre back. Sorry, yeah. I keep saying, for the record, I say centre half a lot because it's it's very old school term, but it's just how I've been brought up, so I can't help it. Um, the fullback and the central defender, he'll make that run in that channel behind. But also, what he does is, and this is something that Vinicius Junior does incredibly well, he starts wide and he kind of angles his run inside, and he doesn't yep. go in between them. He 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 starts on the outside of the fullback and goes around them on his blind side, and then you can play that channel ball through. I was watching the Madrid derby at the weekend. And there was one prime example in the first half where Vinicius made this run. And I think it was Danny Ceballos um, played the ball through. Yeah, playing that ball. Yeah. It was an incredible pass through. And, and it very, very nearly allowed Vinicius Jr. to latch onto it. But he didn't make the run in between the fullback and the central defender. He made it on the outside of the fullback and curved it inwards, if that makes sense, around the fullback. Yeah. And then he runs into the channel. Um, and the reason you do that is because you're running on the blind side, essentially, of the fullback, so he doesn't quite know where you are, and then you can get a head start on him. Whereas if you run in between the fullback and central defender, they can see you all the way, and they can kind of track that run if they're, you know, it, it, obviously if you're quicker than them, it won't matter as much, but it, it, I suppose it means that they can see where you're running from, they can track your run, and if they do have speed to catch up with you, they can kind of follow that line and get a step ahead of you to win the ball. Um, so it is something I noticed from Oliveira's game that I really, really liked. Let's let's um, let's talk about his his weaknesses. It's it's not something I like to jump into straight away, and I don't. I, you know what? I I don't really want to call it weaknesses because there's maybe the the best term to use as areas to improve. I think when we did the podcast on a player like Georges Yakamakis, that we you know, he's kind of coming up to 30 and you feel that maybe, you know, there are weaknesses to his game that haven't been ironed out throughout his career. Whereas now we're talking about a guy who's literally only about 20. Yeah. I don't like to label it as maybe a weakness. I think an area to improve is a much better term for it. In front of goal, he kind of struggles a little bit. Do you think that's, uh, I'm being too harsh? No, I think I, I agree with you. And in the way, I think it's in the way he decides. Firstly, mm-hmm. the way he decides which technique technique to use in his shot, because normally he's looking like a powerful shot, cutting outside with his left foot. He's looking to score that goal, and I mean, if he keeps looking to it, he's going to score it. But normally his technique is to use power and sometimes when he is going to cut inside and look for a curve shot into the far post sometimes he gives like a few more touches to the ball so he wants to create the best angle that with that with mm-hmm. that touches he offers uh he is like He's not opening a new angle. He's closing it. So he needs to like get his head up when he's going to shot and look to the angle. And he has to uh, delete some kind of touches he does in the penalty area because it's normally too much when he's going to try and finish the play. Mm-hmm. And how about creating opportunities for others then? Because for a winger, 
it depends on the system, obviously. But I think when you're a wider winger, there's more of a an emphasis on you to be able to create chances for your your teammates as well, and for the centre forward especially. Talk to me about yeah. how he. I suppose the main way is that he creates chances because when you watch him, you see quite a lot that he loves to take the fullback on and then get to yeah. maybe the boil on or cut inside and create from there. You know, is is that something you observed as well? Yeah, he's not going to like create chances being, uh, I don't know, inside, turning his body and then making a through pass. It's not mm-hmm. his way of creating chances. His way of creating opportunities is very explosive and very raw. He's looking to run through his channel, like very, very, like making very long runs. You know, he's running a lot of yards and he's mm-hmm. trying to get and penetrate the box. He even made his... Uh, he made two appearances for Boston River in the Copa Libertadores qualifiers yeah. to, to make the group stages. And he made two fantastic games against Zamora, which is as well a Venezuelan team. So he had really, really fun with the fullback. And not only against Zamora in his style of play, he's always looking to, to create chances by being wide and then penetrating the area, the box, uh, to with his dribbling you know he's trying to show the ball in his dribbling to like attract the opponent to then make a tackle and he's running giving a lot of touches to the ball but very soft like sticking the ball to his feet and giving a lot of touches not like he, I, I don't know if if you're with me on this but he's not like the kind of winger that gives long touches and he's running and running sometimes he does and normally he offers this kind of long touch to the ball to run into space. Yeah. Like the in the final... And when you say long touch, sorry, you mean... It, 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 is what you mean is like taking a player on and pushing it into space so there's a good yeah, distance between like the a, defender and the ball. You can kind of beat them with your speed then. Yeah, I don't know. In, in Spanish, we call this auto pass because it's like passing the ball to himself and running to a space. Yeah. Normally, he offers this uh, reaching the end zone of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But when he's out of that kind of finishing zone, he's given a lot of touches and trying to look for that tackle to create a foul or then just eliminate the player and pass him and leaving him behind. So I really like him in the way of how much threat he carries on but then this kind of speed and pace he has an explosiveness it could be a weakness on him because he doesn't like slow the tempo when he's going to finish and give an end product to his teammates so sometimes he's looking for a cutback he does well but sometimes he really like uh the pitch ends for him because he keeps running and running and running and he hasn't decided mm-hmm. what to do with his end product. But is a really he's really good at creating chances and moving his team to the final tier. But if he adds like a bit of uh yeah, if he slow his tempo reaching the penalty box, he's going to create a few assists. And he has in this moment, but even with his explosiveness and this weakness of being fast at every moment. Uh, sometimes it could even be better if he could 
develop that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that he has created uh, 0.98 shot assists per 90 at the minute, which is okay. It's pretty solid. It means obviously he's creating at least one goal scoring opportunity per game. I think maybe lesser of a goal scoring opportunity because a shot assist just means the kind of the pass before the shot, but it's still yeah. leading to a shot on goal. Um, talking about fouls. That's something he actually is quite good at, drawing fouls, because he does get quick kicked quite a lot, because when you're yeah. that age as well, when you're looking to take players on, wingers especially, you're always going to get kicked. People don't like being beaten on a dribble. They kick you. I mean, I do it all the time when I'm defending and someone goes by me, I'll kick them. So, like, I've no shame saying that. I'm not, I'm not quick, so i got to just kick them. Um, he's suffered 2.72 fouls this season. Uh, I, would, I would imagine, I don't have the, the stats to back this up, I would imagine quite a few of them are in the final third or at least in the opposition's half where yeah. you can create something from the set piece that you win. Um, I want to discuss his, before we move on to kind of wider discussion about South American football and players integration into the European game. I want to ask you about something that's becoming ever more important for players in the modern game, which is off the ball out of possession yeah. stuff. How does his, how is he defensively in terms of, you know, pressing, winning the ball back? I have a couple of stats here to back up uh, any points you make as well. Yeah, so defensively, I really like what he does when he loses the ball because he is the kind of winger that lost the ball really constantly because, mm -hmm. yeah, he's trying to dribble and all that. and It's uh, normal to lose the ball in this kind of uh, duels. With the ball, so I really like his attitude and discipline, like to run and to try to recover the ball, to offer that counter press instantly uh, after he lose the ball. So that's kind of a good tool to have. And when he's defending with his team in a more organized shape, pressing higher or being more compact, he's he has this uh, commitment to get back to run back. Obviously, his explosiveness with the ball and of the ball at times. Uh, I think the problem with Oliveira in matches of the ball is his stamina. He mm. he's, doesn't have like this large tank of stamina to use in the game because his style of play, his playing style is like running and running and running and running. And then off the ball, he offers this kind of uh, defensive support in the high pressing, he can be an important player. But at times, he's so tired because he doesn't stop running. And he's so usually he's, substituted as well, it's worth saying, because yeah, in his last seven yeah. appearances, he's been subbed off early in three of those. Or sorry, yeah. four of those. In only three of them, he completed the game. I think he has played this season like five or six matches. And only in yeah. one, I saw him... Uh, leaving the pitch in the 70th minute. So he leaves the pitch like yeah. every time. In that the was the Zamora game field. that you were talking yeah, about earlier. <laughs> against Zamora because he was like unstoppable that game. But at times he's just really, really tired. Really. Yeah. Defensively, it's worth also noting that when we obviously talk about kind of pressing and as you said, working really hard off the ball. He's recovered the ball 3.21 times per 90 and 57.1% of those are in the opposition's half, which obviously means he is 
yeah. somewhat useful when Boston River or uh, Uruguay is on the edge sides, or even if he goes to Almeria, if they lose the ball, he's able to press really quickly to win it back. He's a very quick player, so he's able to kind of join in the counter press to win the ball back and recover it as high up the pitch as possible. I don't know if you watch this this play, but he is, he was running uh, from I I mean like the halfway line. So he was mm. running and running and running, and he gets to the box. He wants to take a shot. He give a few touches, so the ball goes long, and a defender grabs the ball and he makes a slide tackle in the box, and he gra- <laughs> and he takes the ball again. And he's now this time he's shooting. So that's kind of crazy to make those, those kind of runs and to recover the ball in the last turn. But he has to recognize that he has to work on his stamina. And at this moment, he doesn't have that much. So that's that's why he's not concluding the games with more minutes. The last point of discussion I want to talk about is players from South America in general. And when they come over to... Europe, obviously, Brian, at the minute you're living in Venezuela and you know quite a lot of South American football as well as Venezuelan football. You know way more than I would in this regard. But quite a lot of players in the last couple of years have moved over from South America to various different European leagues, not just the Premier League, not just, I mean, Eredivisie or or, or, uh, the Premier League in Portugal or La Liga as well. They are obviously are the four kind of dominant leagues that South American players have moved over to, but you've seen there's players that went over to Italy as well. There's was such a variety of different European teams and, yeah. and and leagues looking for players in South America. I mean, I can list so many for you at the minute. You've, the last couple of years, you had Facundo Palistri, of course, as we're talking about Uruguayans, Oliveira. There's a player worth noting, Facundo Palistri. You have Enzo Fernandez from Argentina as well as Julian Alvarez, and you have Lissandro Martinez as well. Of course, I went to Ajax and then Manchester United. Alvarez and uh, Fernandez are both in the Premier League as well as Palistri. But all those four players I've just listed, and there's many more, by the way, I'm kind of, I've kind of just listed those four because I, I don't want the list to be too long. They've all followed different trajectories, I feel. Fernandez, Alvarez and Martinez are all competing at a really high level at the minute, whereas Palistri, who went over, at, he was young enough, I mean, he was 19, I believe, when yeah. he came from Peñarol in Uruguay and went to Manchester United. But, as someone who actually watched Palistri really close at Man United, and even when he was in the under-23s, and then he went to Deportivo, Deportivo Alaves for two seasons on loan, or I think it was 18 months on loan maybe, it was night and day how much he struggled transitioning from the Uruguayan Primera Division to English football and Spanish football. Do you think, yeah. I mean... The first question I want to ask you is, and I know it's quite a broad, and so I apologize for putting you on the spot, is is there a certain league that offers kind of the best progression, in your opinion, for players coming over from South America? And by the way, I also am very aware that there's a lot of different style, there's different um, qualities in each South American league. So not everything's, I suppose, not everything's just like South American players can go over to one league and smash it. I mean, I, I listed Fernandez, Alvarez and Martinez there. They went over from the Argentinian league and they kind of found it a bit yeah. easier, whereas Palestri maybe would struggle a bit more because the quality in the Uruguayan league wouldn't be as great as in Argentina. But do you think there is a, a league for a specific league the players can kind of tr- transition to well coming from South America to the Premier to yeah. Yeah, Europe, European football? Sorry. Yeah, I, I've always liked to see players from South America going 
from their country to leagues like, I don't know, Eredivisie or Portugal, because mm -hmm. I think it's a very good first step to them to, uh, I don't know, uh, get to know Europe and how the leagues uh, is and how to fit uh, physically, technically, and the most important thing, tactically. Because some players, if you compare the young players of South America with European, the tactical intelligence difference is way too large. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's a constant thing to see wingers or strikers even doesn't have in this high uh, level of end product. You know, we, we, we saw that on Vinicius, who was a player with a great dribbling ability, a great pace, explosiveness. His way of creating chances was a crazy thing to see. But he is a player that didn't have a good end product in finishing. He was very poor and he had to work on it. Like, I, I, I don't know, it was like two or three years of watching Vinicius having this kind of very mm -hmm. poor decision making. Um, so even outside of the box, sometimes he, he was like in other game. We could, we could talk about that. But I really like that kind of a step. But, you know, when you're talking about Brazil or Argentina and it's the kind of context the player is because you see Enzo Fernandez or Julian Alvarez and you know these kind of players are going or even Lisandro Martinez mm -hmm. that went firstly to the Eredivisie when you're watching them uh, the Argentina just said led to you like these players are going to play in the top five European leagues you know so at Brazil you know because it's like a common thing <laughs> in the culture of South America that these kind of players really uh, like catch up these signings with top uh, five European sides. But these kind of players like at Uruguay or Venezuela or even Peru and Ecuador, which is like turning into a big country to develop young young players like Caicedo, Stupinian, and thousands of players that we have right now at Europe. Like, I don't know, William Pacho as well. He's a really good centre-back. But these kind of leagues, like to be the, their first step, and I really think it fit our style because uh, Portugal and Netherlands plays this kind of uh, football with young players who rate their mm -hmm. creativity, their kind of weakness. They, they rate this kind of weakness because they are looking to uh, develop a young player into a really good one tactically. And Portugal, if we talk about wingers like Oliveira, Portugal is a really good uh, league to play because at Portugal, they like to play with wide wingers and all that and to have really uh, carrying the threat from the outside. So it's a really good... Uh, those are really good countries to develop as a player. But even Belgium is a really good one as well. Uh, well, I, I have uh, named Pacho, but also Gaston Avila uh, left mm -hmm. Argentina to Belgium. So it's good a good example of... The context, it's always different, you know, but you could watch, uh, I don't know, Enzo Fernandez or uh, Varela right now at Boca Juniors and you can tell to yourself, okay, this this player is going to the big five. But then you watch Gaston Avila even at Argentina and you're saying to yourself like, okay, he, he needs a first step, you know, and as well, you're going to say that at Colombia or Uruguay, it, it's... The context obviously mm -hmm. tells you everything.
Yeah, and it's also important to note, I mean, let's look at, before we wrap up, let's look at similar examples of Uruguayan forwards coming from Uruguay and going to top five leagues or just like some of the top leagues in Europe, including the Dutch League and the Portuguese League. I mean, you see, I mean, just a, a Uruguayan, Darwin Nunez, for, for example, of course, was at Almeria, just like yeah. just like uh, uh, Oliveira here. And then he went to Benfica and then he went for 80 odd million to Liverpool. You have Luis Suarez came over. He went to Groningen, I believe. In I, think, I believe it was Groningen in yeah, uh, Groningen. yeah in, in the Eredivisie as well. He did reasonably well there. Went to Ajax and absolutely smashed it. Went on to become a a footballing legend. Of course, one of the greatest goal scorers of the twenty first century. But then you've players like Edison or not Edison Cavani, sorry, Diego Forlan came to straight from South America to Manchester United, and I think he scored one every seven games for a centre-forward, which is really, really poor. Facundo Palistri came from, you know, Uruguayan football straight to Manchester United, was loaned out then, of course, to uh, Deportivo Alaves twice and really, really struggled, especially yeah. in the second season in which they got relegated. And as well, you talked about kind of European-created players, I want to say, not created, I suppose, European-developed players having a bit more tactical maturity and just maturity in general. Yeah. Look at Ahmad Diallo. As I, I said this to you off-air, actually. Ahmad Diallo came over to Manchester United at the same time as Palistri. He actually had... Uh, Palistri actually had a head start because Diallo's work permit didn't come through yet. Diallo was smashing it with Sunderland at the minute in the Championship, and he looks just miles above Palistri right now, in my opinion, because Palistri looks just extremely raw. When you look at Palistri's... I mean, Palistri didn't make his debut for Man United until t- two years and three months after his after he signed. It's crazy. And even now, I think he's made, what, three, four appearances and they've all only been just a couple of minutes at the end of games. The, the transition from from Uruguay, from Premier all straight to the Premier League has been just so colossal for him. And I think when you're a player in that in that league, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful to the Uruguayan league, you... you, you you need to be careful about what your next move is because uh, while the the big club may be obviously the you know attractive to you because of course you're going to sign from Peñarol to Manchester United, I think you also need to weigh in your own development because in my opinion, Polisher's development has completely uh, stalled at this point. He should be playing yeah. regularly week in week out, whether it be for a Championship team or a La Liga side or a Premier League team, regardless. At this point in time, when he's what twenty one. He should be playing week in, week out. And he's one of the best examples, I feel, of a player in recent years that has came over from the, the Uruguayan Premier Division because, of course, he's a winger as well, just like Oliveira is. And for Oliveira, he's gone to Almeria. I really do hope that it works out for him because if it doesn't, again, I don't want him to follow that path that Palistri's followed where his development just really stalls. And, and, and then within... Before you know it, you're 24, 25, and you're no longer yeah, a yeah. player. You know what I mean? And you're struggling to get into any team in the top five divisions. Do you think there's a place for him at Almeria, who, of course, have been given opportunities to young players under Ruby? Yeah, they are known to be, to like give this kind of opportunities to, to young players. Um, well, we, we have seen Darwin, and now we are seeing El Bilal Ture, which is a mm. really nice center forward running in behind so I really think it's it, it could Gorgeous, be a play it? yep he scored for them like against Atletico de Madrid and Barcelona so that's crazy yeah. 
but uh, I think it's a place. There's a place for Oliveira and Almeria, and maybe when Almeria decides to like uh, not loaning loan him out again and to have him in the squad, maybe I don't know if they hopefully they still be in the in La Liga. But if they are in the second tier in La Liga, Smart Bank, I, I think it's called like that right now, uh, in the second division of Spain, mm-hmm. uh, it could be a better idea for him or even Almeria loaning him out being at uh, La Liga than loaning him out to a side at the Spain's second division because he is still at the moment very raw at Uruguay. He's not. I, I don't really think he's... Like the best young player at Uruguay at this moment. He's a very inter- interesting and very good with very a, a, a playing a style that it's not common right now in football. You know, the wide winger mm-hmm. has uh, been disappearing, and now uh, like people like Varaskelia, Vinicius, Leao has been like I don't know uh, reviving it. So, in the way of thinking about that, we have always talked in the TFA scouted podcast like young players have to play regularly regularly and i really want to see him play in europe but maybe a loan out in the first like opportunity for him at europe like almeria bring to him it could be a loan out and to... it's, it's worth saying as well talking about a loan move I, I i personally think for the good of his development it's really not good for a player to be loaned out to a team that will be battling relegation i mean again you look at fecundo palistri and when he went to Alaves, in both seasons, they were fighting relegation. The first one, they stayed up. When he was with them, I think he was with them for maybe six months. The second season, they went down. And when you're in those situations, managers have a tendency to go for experience over young players. It's almost like a, a fight-or-flight mode kicks in and you want the experienced heads in the team and then the youngsters get dropped because managers feel they're not experienced enough tactically to carry out the instructions they're looking for. So I think for his development, it's really important that he goes to a side that's maybe around the mid-table or, you know, upper half of the... T- I mean, it doesn't have to be a Premier League or a La Liga side. It can, As you said, it can be a La Liga Santander side. It can be a mid-table Eredivisie side, a mid-table Portuguese team as well. So I think it's really important for his development that he goes to a league where he's not... Yeah. He doesn't have the pressure of, you know, staying in the league because, it re- again, Manders always turn against young players in the in those instances. The kind of... I think it, you have to have a really good loan manager working mm-hmm. behind you to bring good opportunities for player for players sorry because at times you're loaning a player out of your club and you are giving him really good uh, like hope of returning with a big form trying to get into the first team and then you loan him out to I don't know a team that is bad in relegation in the championship maybe mm-hmm. or league one if you're an English club and you're normally loaning out English players. So he's not going to stand out. Some do and some others don't do. And that doesn't talk bad about you because you are always dependent to a context. You know, even if you are a winger, how I'm going to like, I don't know, bring good opportunities for the team if the ball doesn't reach to my foot. You know, and Mm -hmm. this, this kind of things that collectively could harm you if the context is quite bad it's the things the most important things you you have to see when you're looking for a loan to a player 
Yeah, no, I fully agree. If you get the opportunity to watch Christian Oliveira, please do. He is truly, truly a wonderful player, and I hope to see him playing for Almeria next season when he comes back from his long move from Boston River. Brian, thank you so much for coming on to the TFA Scouted Podcast this week. I'm looking forward to speaking to you again in the next one. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. And make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA Podcast. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends, and family, as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.